Luke chapter 10. I'm going to just read a few verses and we're going to dive into this. Y'all ready? Just say, I'm ready. But say it better than I did. I didn't really do a good job there. Forgive me, Lord, for making a joyful noise. I should have sang it. Not sing it, sang it. I should have sang it. Uh, but I didn't. So Luke 10, uh, just a few verses, starting at verse 38. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Uh, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. Isn't that beautiful? But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered, Martha, my beloved Martha. That's always a preface to getting rebuked by the Lord. When God says your name twice, Martha, Martha. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. What a beautiful text this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time in your presence. Thank you for your people. Uh, Thank you for every new person. Thank you for people that are getting involved. And where you're taking us as a community is just amazing. We're excited about the new year. But Lord, we just pray that uh, something fresh and and, uh, uh, just life would come through your word right now. By the spirit, would you breathe on our time together uh, as we dive into the text this morning. We just thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time. Give God a shout and a clap, would you? Come on. Somebody. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you this morning about real rest. Um, and I, I, feel, um, I feel like I'm still learning this. You know, I think, you know, I'll never completely live a life fully in rest and resting in him. But we're, we're discovering what that means to enter into the rest of God. And I, I want to say this before I jump in. I, I want to say that like uh, rest does not equate to inactivity. And, and sleeping isn't always restful either. How many know you can sleep 12 hours and still be exhausted? Hello? And, and so rest is a lifestyle of trust and faith and who God is and what he's accomplished. And I think we've, we've missed the, the understanding of how important it is just to wait upon the Lord. Like that our hearts are in a place of uh, absolute dependence upon him and what he has for us. And, and some of us are probably familiar with what we just read. And a lot of times, you know, we talk about Martha and Mary and, and there's this, this, you know, difference between the two sisters. And sometimes Martha's defended and sometimes uh, Martha is uh, you know, kind of slandered and, or, you know, put down for doing the wrong thing. And, and I've heard people interpret or exegete this text and they defend Martha and they say, well, Martha was just, you know, doing her job. And, um, but can I just say that Jesus wouldn't have rebuked her if she wasn't doing anything wrong. 
And so what do we learn from it? We learn that, yeah, there's a time to do chores. There's a time to be responsible. There's a time to be in the kitchen. But this was not the appropriate time. And, and we're going to dive into how we see the Lord uh, uh, just talking about Mary and, and what she has chosen, the better portion. So did y'all have a wonderful Christmas? Come on, give me a wave if you had a wonderful Christmas. I know sometimes it's a difficult time uh, around the holiday season. We've learned that, you know, there's times for us to uh, to just be all together. And we have the core family, you know, just like my wife and I and, and our five children. I have five children, by the way, if you didn't know that. Now you know how to pray for me. Come on, somebody. Three teenagers, we call them the unholy trinity. Just kidding, that's not, that's not a good joke, but it's true, praise God. They're all good kids. My daughter was the one right here leading worship. She's amazing. She's still kind of wrecked. She was just face down on the ground. I love what the Lord's doing in your heart. I knew God had something special for you. Um, but sometimes as a, as a family, we like to guard the inner the, just the, the core family. And it's like, okay, we're going to do Christmas things and we're going to have the extended family come. And sometimes the church family's included in that. Like early on in our ministry, we had about 100 church members um, from the pulpit. I'll never forget this. Me and my, you know, God-like inclusivity, loving people. I invited the whole church to our house after church for a barbecue. And almost the whole church came. And we, we had white carpet until after that barbecue. And my wife still makes fun of that time, but it was, it, it was a fun time. And how many know that it's good to just like, yeah, we get together and we gather. And then there's times it's like, no, you just got to be with the, the family. You know, you like, I got to spend time just with my wife. If, if I'm not spending time with my wife and investing in my marriage, I'm not a good dad and she's not a good mom. The parental love that we have for our children flows out of the oneness and the union and the love we have for one another. And, and sometimes even my love for my kids, uh, if, if I'm not like engaging, sometimes we have to be one-on-one -on -one with our children and spend time. And, and with five, it, it can become difficult. But if I'm not loving my wife and my kids, technically and even biblically speaking, I'm not qualified to be leading in church. And I think sometimes we're distracted with a lot of things. And Christmas was great for us. We had some of that time. I'll just give you a little snippet of uh, our Christmas dinner. Because we decided not to do anything, we literally did nothing on Christmas Day. That was a wonderful gift to me. I just, it was great to sit around. We're deciding, do we want to go out to eat or do we want to, and, and you know, some places are closed. And we just were tempted to just like go to a buffet, you know, like a nice buffet, right? And like, do just do something different. We decided because we didn't know what to eat. My daughter Hannah was like, let's make chili. We're like, that's what we usually make around Halloween. That's kind of a weird dish. So we decided to make chili. So we make chili. How many have ever had my chili? Come on, somebody. I'm going to brag on myself real quick. I can throw down a little bit on that. And so we're eating chili. We're about to sit down. Some of the kids get their bowls of chili and sit down. Now, uh, Layla, my, my daughter Layla, she likes to pray before we eat. But Layla got this gift. I don't know who thought of getting her this gift. Probably my wife. Praise the Lord. Bless you, honey. But the gift was a microphone with a speaker. And Layla's already got an issue with the platform. Like when we had open mic, Layla was like, you know, if we didn't have open mic, she would cry because she didn't get to do her song. And so 
we sit down to eat and Layla's like, uh, well, let's, let's pray. Can I pray, Dad? I'm like, sure, Layla, you can pray. It's a short, sweet prayer. And she's like, okay, hold on. She runs around the corner, gets her microphone, comes back to the table. So here's Layla. Layla's like, Jesus, thank you. And there's like this, this karaoke echo as she prays. I couldn't take it seriously. I was cracking up. Like I lost it. I was completely distracted. As soon as she says amen, short prayer, David finished his last slurp of chili. I'm like, David, why are you eating so fast? My son just discovered a few years ago that you have to chew food. Like literally he was eating pasta one time and Sarah, my oldest daughter was like, David, um, you know, you're supposed to like, how come you're not chewing your pasta? He's like, you have to chew pasta. And he was 100% serious. It's good to be with family though and sit at the table, isn't it? But sometimes there's distractions and there's things that keep us from the, the important part of that, of just connecting with one another. And, and I see that in the text. I told a story first service. I got to tell you, um, years ago, we're connecting with a, a dear couple that, uh, that we love that's a part of our church, Ed and Glenda. And uh, I think they're on their way back to town actually right now. And, uh, and we go to a Thai place. Who loves, some, loves them some Thai food? Come on, somebody. Who orders number 10? Who's, yeah, come on, somebody. Yeah. Who regrets it at four in the morning the next day? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so we go to this Thai place and we're looking at the menu. And it, this place has all sorts of stuff on the menu. It's like, you know, when you go to the Cheesecake Factory or different places where their menu is enormous and you're so distracted and you don't even know what to order. When I go to a place like that, I pick out what I want to order before I go. And then I get there and then I order. So we're at this Thai place and, and we're, you know, and Glenda, if you don't know who she is, she's a lady who danced with my daughter Hannah on Christmas Eve. She's a sister. You know what I'm saying? She's not just a sister, she's a sister, right? And she, uh, so, so we're sitting here at dinner and she's looking at the menu, the waitress comes up. This is a very odd experience that we had. And uh, the waitress is showing us some things on the menu and Glenda asks a question and, and, uh, and she says, oh yeah, points to the scene. She goes, it's good for the Negro. That's the best Thai accent I can do, I'm sorry. And the look on Glenda's face I'll never forget. And I'm thinking to myself, don't smack her. I'm like, Glenda, don't smack her. Don't smack her, Glenda. I don't, she didn't mean it. Like, I don't know what's going on. There's a cultural thing here. And then she's like, huh? She's like, it's good for the Negro. What? She walks away from the table. Did you hear what she did? The neck thing. My wife still does that. The neck thing. The ghetto comes out. Come on, somebody. You can take a girl out of the ghetto, but can't take the ghetto out of the girl. I like, I like when my wife gets feisty. I think it's attractive. I'm like, oh, say that again, baby. Get fiery. <laughs> the lioness. She's like, what'd you say when someone talks to her kids or tries to discipline her? Someone tried to discipline Sarah one time when Sarah was like three. And this lioness came out of Rochelle. I call it the hood Rochelle. But I, I like the hood Rochelle. She's fine. All right. Anyways. So Glenda's like, did you hear what she just said? And we're, we're kind of laughing. We're trying to laugh. We're like, I don't know what she meant. Maybe we'd need to ask her. She comes back. She explains that what she meant was that dish was good with a dark beer. Everyone say, oh, I get it. Now I can tell you though. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. So Glenda believed it. I don't know. She let it go. She could have got offended. But I'm going to tell you right now, we were distracted from that 
How many know that sometimes we get distracted from the menu and we miss the main course? And this story is, is a perfect example of that. Like there are some times where we are, we're in, in the name of being spiritual, in the name of walking in holiness, hear me, in the name of doing what's right, in the name of being integrous, we're just distracted with the menu and we're missing the main course. In the name of memorizing scripture, we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of eating from the tree of life. Are you saying the scripture? No, what I'm saying is that we could have our heads so deep in the scriptures that we miss the eternal word standing in front of us. I'll give you an example in John 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 39, uh, 38 and 39. Jesus is talking. He says to the Pharisees, they were the modern day Bible answer men of the day. He says, you search the scriptures in thinking that you're going to have eternal life, but you don't realize they testify of me. They're in the word of God, lowercase w, which is great, but they miss the word of God, uppercase w, the eternal word, Jesus. Sometimes in the, in, in the name of wanting to do what's right and going to church and doing the right thing and making New Year's resolutions, come on, and then we'll even spiritualize it. It's a New Year's revolution, come on. There's nothing wrong with goals, but sometimes we do it out of distraction and works trying to please God, not knowing that we're already pleasing him as a son or a daughter, and we're doing, 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 doing. And God's like, would you sit at the table and just hear what I have to say? Yes. Don't be distracted by the appetizers and the, and, and the menu. Get to the main course. And this is what I see. And the first thing I see is God's calling us to wait on him, not be a waiter. Now, I do believe that it's important that we learn the aspect of serving. We have a serve team and, and that is the core team in our house that serves in the different parts of ministry. And I think it's important that we do outreach. I love our outreach team. Uh, you know, our leaders, Kevin and Audrey, they're amazing. I love what's happening. I love our serve teams growing. I love when people just get, get God's heart for, for the, the zeal and the honor for the house of God, the Sunday gatherings, the Wednesday night, Thursday night discipleship and everything that's happening. And people, it's important that we learn to serve, but we have to make sure that our serving and our loving God is not from a place of a Martha mentality, but from a place of sitting at the feet of Jesus where our heart is ignited because of his love for us. Yes, we should love God, but we only love God because he first loved us. And listen, this is not something that's like, yeah, I've heard that before. Well, read it again because it is the alpha and the omega. There's no getting past this. The love of God is everything. The reason that we exist is because God wanted a child just like us. It's all about the love of God. It's everything. And in our attempt to serve God... We're waiting on God. I remember somebody saying, you know, well, waiting on the Lord is like being a waiter. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Waiting on God is being totally reliant, being silent, being con contemplative in his presence, yielding our hearts to him, to his working, to his moving, to his heart, to his wind. Lord, what do you have for me? I wait upon you. I want to read Psalm 62 verses one and two. Now this, we don't know when this is written, but it was written by David. It's possibly written when Absalom, uh, when, when he rebelled and became king and then David had to flee. Some of you know the story you can read about in 2 Samuel. But he says this, I stand silently to listen for the one that I love. David is saying, I'm waiting upon you, Lord. 
And he says, waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me. For God alone has become my savior. He alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me. Come on. For he is my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me? Even when trouble multiplies around me. You know, there's something about moving into a place of worship and prayer. It's vital that we learn it's about the posture of our hearts, not about the, 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 what we're saying. Uh, I mean, you know, we could say, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But sometimes even in our learned behavior, even in charismatic churches and things and the way we pray, it's evident that sometimes we, we don't really know what to say or we don't have anything to say. Or we're trying, we, we have, we don't have, we have something to say, uh, but we're just, we're just saying something and we don't really have something to say. Did I put that right? We're just saying stuff, but we really don't have something to say. And sometimes in our prayer, have you noticed Now this is learned behavior? I do it too. We do it. We, we pray like this, father, Lord, God. Would you just, Father, Lord, just, would you just, Father, Lord, God, Lord, God, Father, God, Lord, God. First of all, we don't even know who we're praying to. <laughs> we're praying to the G- Jesus, the Father. I don't think the Trinity gets mad, but we're called to pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, biblically speaking. Now, but why do we do, you know, Father, God, Lord, God, would you just, just, Lord, would you, Father, Father, what is this, an auction? Sold to the deity on the throne. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus rebuked that kind of prayer. What if we just waited on the Lord? What if we just came before God and said, before I start knocking on your door, I'm going to hear what you have to say and I'm going to hear your voice. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I think sometimes we just run ahead. It's interesting if you read the story of Absalom, when Absalom died, David's grieving and they run to tell him the news before uh, he's told the news. There's two messengers and one outruns the other, but the one who outran the other didn't have the message. I mean, sometimes we're running, but we don't have a message. But the one who had a steady pace had the message to deliver to the king. I think it's the same thing in our prayer life. We're trying to be a waiter. We're trying to serve. We're trying to do what's right. But God just say, would you just wait on me? Would you learn to be still and know that I'm God? This is key. Like removing the presumption and the pride of prayer. Are we praying? And I know this message is not on prayer, but I, I love to talk about this because sometimes we pray and we're just trying to impress the people around us. Give me a break, Jack. If your name's Jack, I'm not talking to you. It's just a, like, we don't need that, man. We don't have any time for that. That is, a, that is a toxic culture, but we do it sometimes out of this orphan mentality of trying to do something for God without sitting at the table and hearing what he has to say. We all know the scripture in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but by all things in prayer, supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says in God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding, well, make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. It's interesting, he says pray, but the answer's gonna come in peace. In, in Psalm 62, the word wait is the same word rest in the Hebrew. To wait upon the Lord is not to run and serve and do whatever we think. Oh, I'm just doing, I'm just serving God. Like, well, let's find out what he wants to do. What what, what does he want me to do? What has he called me to do? Even this day, like following the lamb, following the wind of the spirit. I love what uh, 
William Paul Young says, he says, never live outside the grace of one day. Never live outside the grace of one day. Every breath, every moment, waiting upon the Lord. Some of the most powerful times for me in prayer and in worship that, that infuse life in me to really run the race is to first enter in the rest of God by waiting, not being a waiter. Can you say amen? In John 12, let me read you a couple more verses here. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. How many know he's talking about himself? But the principle's true. Sometimes there are seeds that we're just waiting to come alive. We're watering and we're believing God and there's prophetic promises. But until we let go and wait on God and let that passion and that desire that we have for that thing to come alive and that agenda, when we let it die, then it brings forth fruit. Lord, we need to learn to wait. We need to learn to yield just to be still and to know that you're God. The other thing that I see in here in this story is in the beginning, it says Martha invited Jesus into her home. I think that's a noble thing, but Jesus doesn't want to just be invited over for supper. He wants all of us. He wants all of our hearts. Don't forget that the main course is our communion and our union with him. It's not about how many scriptures we can memorize. It's about knowing the person of Jesus Christ. We could read the entire Bible in a year and still not live out incarnational life, the life of Christ living through us. Can you say amen? And I love this story. Man, Suri's interrupting. I keep forgetting to disable her on this iPad. Lord Jesus, save Suri. She's a robot. It's impossible. Okay, praise God. God doesn't want us to be invited over. He wants all of us. And he wants to rest and remain. Now, we know that he's with us. But we've been talking about the presence of God, but there's a connection with being in the presence of God. Even we see this in the life of Moses. He says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. And then he says, okay, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, it's being in the presence of God, being aware of his presence, we find this rest. And when he rests and remains, we remain in rest. Find your refuge in the presence of the Lord. You can be on vacation and be high strung. True rest is resting in him. You can have a home, but not a refuge. Can you say amen? You can sleep 12 hours and still be exhausted. What I've learned is if we learn not to take ourselves too seriously, it's easier for us to find ourselves resting in him. Rest is holy. Genesis chapter two, verses two and three. Do you know that great trauma is healed through rest. This is powerful. Like trauma that we we might deal with, things happen, right? Things happen in life. There's accidents. There's evil in the world, right? There's bad choices we make. We, We might put ourselves in bad situations or whatever. There's trauma. Rest is what heals trauma. We must learn to enter into the rest of God. There's regeneration, there's renewal. Rest empowers us to reign in life and to run with endurance. It's a good word. You want me to say it again? I'll say it again. Rest empowers us to reign in life and to run with endurance. Sometimes we don't feel like we're conquering or reigning in life because we're just, we're running 
and we're not resting. We have to rest and then run. And the, one of the reasons I felt like this is important for now is because a lot of times we start the new year and it's like we start the new year with all these new year's resolutions and all this goals are wonderful, but let this be a year of entering his rest so that we can accomplish much more by grace and by the power of the Holy spirit. Can you say amen? Rest does not equal inactivity. If we want to live a faithful life, we must live a life of resting in God. Of course, getting sleep and, and physically resting is a part of this. There's no disconnect. The spiritual realm and the natural realm are transposed over one another. They're intertwined. When you rest physically, it, it changes your emotional disposition. Amen? How many ever get cranky when you don't get your nap on? I still do. After all these years, 40 years late, I'm 44, but when I was four, I used to get cranky. Wait, did I just say I'm 44? You didn't know that, did you? You thought I was 31, huh? Just nod. Just give me some encouragement for the new year. Okay, I see the gray. I see this. I see the wrinkles coming. Just bless me. Thanks. Sometimes we just need to rest our bodies. And listen, rest is not like a sign of failure or defeat. Rest is normal. Rest is holy. Rest is a part of life. The Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. Can you say amen? amen. It's interesting to me. You can look through the scriptures. You know, God made a covenant with Abraham when he was asleep. Sometimes we strive to, I want to have an encounter with God. I want to hear your voice. Well, just rest and listen and let him encounter you. Jacob rested, even though his pillow was a rock, he laid down to rest and he had an encounter with God and he had a vision and he called that place Bethel, meaning the house of God. And he said, how awesome are you in this place? And I did not know it. There are, there are, encounters with God waiting for you if you would just enter his rest. That's a good word. Jesus often would recline at the table while he ministered. He would teach and he would recline at the table. Jesus was uh, revealed at the table in Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus. How many remember that story where the two men are walking with Jesus? They're having an intense Bible study with Jesus, not realizing it is Jesus. Hello? And they didn't realize it was him. The encounter with Jesus came when they sat down at the table and they broke bread. Jesus took authority over a storm that he was first able to rest in. Oh, rest is so important. Before we start this new year, church, let us learn how to enter his rest. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience as we enter into God's faith, rest, life. Say that out loud. Say God's faith, rest, life. We cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith, rest, life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. In context, in Hebrews 3 and 4, he's talking about how the children of Israel didn't enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. How many know that faith, though, is not just believing and having no doubt. It is entering rest and fully trusting God. 
The last thing I see in the story is sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is what we see in the life of Mary. She was not distracted with religious obligation. Instead, she was caught up in a divine romance. We have to learn how to just be. It's so difficult because we're so wired to do. But how many know we are human beings, not human doings? We have to learn how to be. In our church culture, we like to really uh, instill the value of being loved by God as a son and a daughter and, and being rooted in that, that your identity is rooted in your sonship, not your gift. Now, we love when people's gifts come alive, and I, I love to see people come alive, and I love to see in a culture, a church culture that honors and values gifts, you have gifts that you don't even know are inside of you, and when you step into a culture of a people that honor you for who you are, not just what you do, those gifts actually come alive. If, if we are in a place where a lot of churches, sometimes you're gifted, okay, I want to use you, and people get used for their gifts, then our identity gets wrapped up in our gift and not our sonship, and we wonder why we don't feel significant. Our significance should be rooted in the love of God, not the gifts that he gives us. This is so important because we're all individual members of one body. And even Paul says that every part of the body is significant. And the ones that we would call the least part of the body, we should even give more honor. And when we celebrate who somebody is, they come fully alive in God. But we have to learn how to be. We can't just, we got to do, I got to do, I got to serve God. No, let's just sit at his feet. This is also a posturing of discipleship, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Posturing ourselves to learn on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. On a Thursday night, on a Wednesday night. Posturing our hearts to receive. This is such an important part of our Christian faith. We have to learn that we are created for intimacy. And intimacy always leads to fruitfulness. But we first must enter in the rest of God. Can I say this? Intimacy is not striving. It's not an effort. It's living out our God-given design to love and be loved. Intimacy is not an effort. We, I think we look at it that way sometimes because it's like intim being intimate with God means I have to pray, I have to fast, I have to do all these things, I have to read the Bible. And that comes out of our love for God. I search the scriptures because I feast on the goodness of God in his word. I worship because I've been loved. I give back. I serve God because my heart's been ignited by a love that I cannot contain. And I have to let it overflow to people around me. In Luke chapter 10 in the message, it says Mary was clinging on every word. It was a divine romance. Okay, I want you to, this is, this is a really important part of the message. Just fill in the blanks, ready? A fish was made to, there's no wrong answer. Just go ahead, shout it out. It's okay. A fish was made to fly. No, I'm just kidding. A fish was made to a bird was made to, you were made for intimacy. Wrong answer. No, I'm just kidding. You were designed to live with him. That's a part of our worship. We, I mean, worship is communion and union with God. It's inseparable because we're doing what we're designed for. Therefore, we're giving honor and glory to God. And you know what he does? He gives it back to us. 
Jesus says, I'm giving them, Father, I'm giving them my glory. I'll never forget, and I'm gonna close so you guys can come up here. Uh, I'll never forget years ago, Laris and I, um, one of my spiritual sons, we, are, we were uh, hanging out at the house and he lived with us at this point. And Rochelle invited some of, the, some of her friends over, some of the girls over, and it was gonna, it was gonna be a little night to watch chick flicks. Mm, so precious. And I think it was Pride and Prejudice or The Notebook or one of those things. I sleepless in Seattle. Who cares, right? So Laris and I decided, yeah, we'll sit in there and just make fun of them the whole time, right? We, made a sh- we might have shed a tear or two. I don't know. I don't remember. But we're there. And there's the moment in Pride and Prejudice where the guy rolls up on the horse. And he's just so handsome, Right? And all the girls are just adoring him because he's adoring her. And it's just so beautiful. And just, oh, I just love chick flicks. Come on, somebody. And I remember Laris and I, there was this moment that all of the girls were watching intentively. And and they're just looking. And they all had the cheesiest grin on their face. I call it the chick flick grin. And it was like, it was something like this. It was just like, he's so handsome. Can you imagine the adoration in the heart of Mary looking at the face of Jesus. The pure adoration of her rabbi. Later on, we see in John 20, she's weeping outside the tomb. Then she realizes it's him. She recognizes his voice. Imagine her clinging to every word. This is the divine romance. You are all, we are all called into this intimacy and there's no striving in this intimacy. A matter of fact, We're enjoying the union that Christ made with the Father for all of humanity. Hello? You don't become one with God because of your effort. You receive what Jesus has accomplished for you and therefore participate and experience the union that Jesus has done for you between him and his Father by the power of grace. Are you all hearing me this morning? That's good news. There's no striving in that. Enter into that rest this year. Let this be a year where you flourish and you're fruitful and you run with endurance and you reign in life. Whatever goal you set, if you need to quit smoking or you need to reign, whatever the thing that you feel like is dominating you that's toxic, first enter in the rest of the Lord so you can reign in life. Enter his rest. Stop striving. Surrender and surrender is not an act. We've even made, made surrender an act. Well, surrender. Okay, I gotta surrender. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. Oh, I, that means I need to sing I surrender all. I surrender all. And we're just Martha in the kitchen. Get out of the kitchen. Look at the person next to you. Say, get out of the kitchen. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Sit at the table. Surrender is not an act, it's the ceasing of an act. <sighs> Jesus, teach us to enter in your rest. Closing here, and they're gonna go into a song. We're gonna worship together. If you need prayer, you can come up in just a moment. Matthew 11, starting verse 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me. Come away with me. We're singing it in worship. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Say real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this. 
learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Would you pray with me, church? Come on. I want you to lift your hands with me, please, and just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the word right now. Let us just receive. Lord, we want to enter into your rest. Teach us to wait upon you, not be a waiter or a waitress. Teach us to be still before you, to learn your heart, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to sit at your feet. You're calling us into intimacy, Lord. We thank you that we get to participate in this. We're excited about a wonderful, fruitful year, but let it all come out of a place of rest and trust and what you've accomplished. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you thank God for the word this morning? Give him praise. We're going to just move into this song. Listen, I want to have our prayer team come quickly, if you would, please. Church, would you come? And we're going to minister to any of you that need ministry. If you want to receive Jesus for the first time, if you want to surrender your life to him, if you need healing in your body, if you need a word from God, whatever you need, we want to minister to you. As our worship team sings this song, Would you come? And if you want to be dismissed, you may. We bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Honey, would you come up and just one last? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, church. Bless you. Can you just thank the Lord for what he's doing in our midst? You're so faithful, Jesus. You're so faithful. We love you. We love your presence. I pray you would leave this place so full of the Holy Spirit, so charged to live from rest. In Jesus' name, starting the new year in a place of real intimacy with Papa. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So if you need prayer for anything, we're going to stay up here as they sing as they minister to us in worship. We're going to be here to pray with you and partner with you. But if you'd like to be dismissed, you can. We love you. Bless you. Have a beautiful rest of your day and a happy new year.